0: Rambam for Wednesday, We're beginning Sefer Hamada in the first parak of Yisrael De Ateir. Now, before I begin, I just want to point out something about the nusakh of the text in the Rambam. Uh, if you go into a store today or you copy it from a database, there's generally two different nuskhais in the Rambam. There is the, the print, you buy a regular set of Rambam that was printed, copied from the previous print, copied from the previous print, the last few hundred years. That's one nusakh. And then there is the nusakh of the Yad, of the manuscripts. Uh, Especially from Taman, although maybe also from Syria, from Egypt. Those were printed in new special editions in the last few decades and are considered generally to be more correct, more accurate. And Rebbe talked about it in the last uh, 10, 15 years about the the differences in the different uh, manuscripts. So sometimes there can be, if you're learning together, sometimes there can simply be a bit of a a split, some, even some kind of misunderstanding, because some swarms say this and some swarms say that. So I'm just clarifying that in advance that I might happen here and there. Can't pro- I can't tell you when it's going to happen. Um, and uh, I'm usually using the kisvayad, the, the, the prints I use the kis fayad. Um Sometimes it's just slight differences in how the spelling or the, the, the word, sometimes it's a more significant difference. And I will generally try to check uh, in advance to see if there's anything major and try to point it out where we're relevant. There's also a slight difference in how the halakhas are divided up, but everyone uses the same numbers. So I'll just say halakha alaf, beis, that's the same. I'll also try to comment if the raivir has something to say on the Rambam, because that's printed in, inside of your Rambam. There's certain places where there's big arguments on the Rambam, so I'm gonna to try to comment on that as well. Okay, now we're gonna start taka, with the Sefer Hamad. So it begins, M'shoi Chastachot, if you're looking at Paragal, this might be a page before. The Rambam always begins with a Pasuk. This Pasuk is from Tehillim. It's supposed to be a a Pasuk that's apropos of the Sefer. In this case, it says, that Hashem should draw his His kindness on those who know him. So that's appropriate for Sefer Hamada. This is about the the knowledge, Godly knowledge. Um, Regarding the the topic, regarding the, the subject of Sefer Hamada, there's actually earlier in the Rambam, after the Rambam finishes his Akdama and listing all the mitzvahs, there's a section where the Rambam actually summarizes each Sefer from the, the Yud Swaram in a few lines. And I'll just quote it quickly. I saw fit to divide this into 14 Tzvarim. Sefer Ishen, in the first Sefer, I will include all the mitzvahs that are the fundamentals of the religion that Meshe taught us. But, Sarah leydo is and chiles a and we need to know that before everything else. Kigayan, for example, Yechit Shmai Barachu, the Hashem is one, the Isra of desire, the prohibition of serving other uh, gods, the Qurasi, Shem Sefer Zeh, Sefer Hamada, and in, in, in accordance with that, I called it, uh, the Sefer, I called it Sefer Hamada, the Book of Knowledge. So now, Back to here. Say for to the Mata Huchhis of Khamesh. That's five Halakhas, Vizaus Sidur, and this is the order. Hilch's <innych mobiles> Yasediat, the foundations of the Tata, Hilchus <The> Deis, Deis should be translated probably as <cities> traits. Talmud <engaged> Tamater, the laws of studying the Tata, Hilch of Isarov, Hukis the laws of idolatry and the customs of the, of the Gentiles, and Hilchus Chuva, the laws of repentance. These are all the Yasidiat Quarantalama that you need to know before anything else. And uh, now we're going to start with de You say de HaTayra has a few sections. The beginning discusses uh, Hashem's nature and loving Hashem, fearing Hashem. Then the Rambam, the next two proclam is going to go into the Galgalim, the, the astronomy, how, how the Rambam uh, underst- explains how the world works. And uh, the next two proclam the Rambam is going to explain about Kiddush Hashem, Chil Hashem, how to treat holy objects. And then in the last four proclam the Rambam is going to talk about Nevoah and what role Nevoah plays and what role doesn't play. Etc. And today we're doing, of course, Paragolov. So and Eser Mitzvahs. There are ten Mitzvahs. Six positive commandments, four negative commandments, and they're all, they will all be explained in these Halachos. and this is what they are in 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 particular. Aleph to know that there is a God. Now the Ram uses the word Sham, and everyone comments on this word Sham. What's Sham? There? What's there? So uh it's been pointed out that the Ramam has certain uh linguistic patterns that are different than what you would find for example in the Mishnah. So one of the one of the examples is the use of the word sham. You won't find sham used like this in the Mishnah, but that's uh, how the Ramam uses it. And they say it might be the influence of Arabic, and it's similar, really, to what you'd say in English. There is, there is a God. There, where there. There is a God. It's a general statement. It doesn't mean anywhere in particular. It means it exists. That's uh, using the using Hashem's name. We're saying there is a God. There is a God. Here we use Hashem's name. Now. The negative commandment is that we should not entertain the idea that there's another God beyond Hashem or Hashem. Gimel, number three, liyachdei. Ta Hashem we should uh, consider Hashem to be one. This is a separate mitzvah. But Beyond recognizing Hashem and knowing there isn't another one, there's a specific mitzvah of yichud of, of seeing the the unity in Hashem. Dalad to la Hashem, hail your monument to fear Hashem, vav lekadishmet to sanctify Hashem's name. Zion shlele l'qal Hashemai seven not to uh, desecrate His name. Ches le'la'avet vodim shneikr Hashemai alein not to destroy anything that has His name on. That's that's that's, that's holy, a that's sanctified test. The and Navi, I'm a daughter of the heeds to listen to the Navi, the prophet who speaks in Hashem's name, and Yod, Shayloila and not to test the prophet. And when we get to the parak that discusses it, we'll see when do we test the prophet, when don't we. But the, the general mitzvah is not to test the prophet. And now we will explain these mitzvahs in the following parakim. And today's parak specifically, that Alam is going to explain uh, the first three, and in the beginning of the parak, the first two mitzvahs to know that there's a God and that there's no other God. Along the way, the Ram isn't just going to tell us the mitzvah. The Ram is actually going to sort of give a very uh, important definition for the foundations of Yiddishkeit uh, regarding how we look at Hashem, what Hashem is. And you could say there's sort of a double here. number one. You look in Mishnah and Gemara, there is no real clear formulation for this kind of thing. If anything, there's more spread throughout Tehran, Avim, and Ksuvim, where it speaks about uh, the nature of Hashem. And even though the Mishnah Gemara talk about Amunah and Kfira belief in, in, in the heresy, but they don't really ever get into what exactly do we believe? How do, what, what is it? How is it? Uh, the other chiddush here is that even though the Raman wasn't the first to use the language of philosophy to discuss uh, this topic, but Machair, he's the first one to bring this kind of language, this kind of style, which generally in English we'd call theology, into a halachic sefer, you say the yateir, and like the Ram emphasized that every part of the sefer is halacha, not just uh, the part that sounds more halachic, but even the part like this would be halachic, especially here where the was is actually explaining the two mitzvahs. So we're actually going to have the opportunity now to see in clear terms what we believe. What's the example that in that that's all the way at the end. That's testing a prophet. That's all the way at the end. <laughs> not, not, what, not what's being discussed there. Not what's being discussed there. Might come up, but not here. So we're going disc- to we're going to launch before we even get to the mitzvahs. We're going to launch into a definition of what Hashem is, and then we'll get to the two mitzvahs. And we uh, <laughs> should point out the first four prakim have this unique nature, this unique style. And uh, there's even if you open a regular print of the Rambam, you'll see there's a special Pirush. Besides the regular Pirush, there's a special Pirush, an anonymous old Pirush on these four Prakim to explain because the terminology here isn't the usual. Okay. Aleph. Halacha Aleph. Yesayda, yesaydis, valmud hachachmas. The foundation of foundations, the pillar of wisdom. And as everyone points out, the first four letters here are Yudhil Kaf. Okay. <clears throat> So what is it? To know that there is the first existence. So first of all, lay To know, this is a, this is a key word because there's a big discussion since the time of the Rishonim about when we look at Hashem, is this a Muna? The term usually used is either a munna or a Is it a munna that you just know the basics? It could take a few seconds to get the basics and that's really all you need to ever know and just keep that in your head? Or the other term we use is yediah. Yediah would mean that uh, you're trying to understand you're taking time, you're thinking into it, looking into it, Examining it from different sides, from the Ram's Lush and Leda, and from the whole style here, we see that it seems that the point the Ramban, to fulfill this mitzvah, at least properly, there has to be some knowledge and understanding. So we have to know there's a Matzurishan. What's a Matzurishan, the first existence? We're talking about existence now, not everything that exists, exists. But the point that I'm making here is that there's a difference in the kind of existence. There's a Matzurishan, the first thing that exists, that exists for real. And then there's everything else that exists as a result of his existence. As he continues, And everything that exists in the heavens and in the earth, and anything in between does not exist other than through his true existence. Base. And if you were to imagine a scenario, you can somehow imagine a scenario in which God doesn't exist, so, then nothing else would exist. Now, it seems to me here that the Rambam is using the rules in the, the language of logic. But in logic, you might call a syllogism. If this, then that. Now, I'm, I'm not lucky uh, in the rules of logic, but I, my understanding is that the, when you make a statement of logic, there's also the converse, the inverse, and the contrapositive. The statement here is, if there is a God, then there are other creations. The converse, which Rambam doesn't spell out, but the opposite would be, if there are creations, if things exist. Then there must be a God. Over here, the Am continues to the inverse. If there was no God, then there wouldn't be any create. That wouldn't. Nothing else would exist. It's not uh, something you could actually need to imagine. It's just a a way of saying saying the statement from all different sides. Then the, the fourth part, which I would say is the contrapositive. And if you would imagine that nothing else exists. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't exist. Doesn't go backwards. Who will be the only thing that exists? And he will not be cancelled out along with them being cancelled. Everything that exists needs him. Blessed be he. he does not need them for his existence. Not them. Not, not one of them. None of them. Continuation of mitas so therefore we can't compare the truth the truthfulness of his existence to the truthfulness of anything else's existence and he continues this is what the Navi says that Hashem is true so like we said before the Rambam uh, usually Chazal isn't always uh, the source for some of these things often the Sukkim uh, and Chomish and Nevi'im and end up being a clearer source for certain things. Here the Ram goes to Apasak and Yermiah. Here you see Apasak says clear that Hashem is true. What is it what is true? What, what does truthful mean here? It's in the sense that we're discussing here, that only He truly exists and nothing else can, can compare in how truthful it is in its existence. Now he quotes Pasuk nothing else exists besides him. that nothing else truly exists except for him. Now that Amam is talking in the levels of truthfulness of how true our existence is, but since of course, so this goes even further about the very nature of existence and how uh, you know do we exist, to what extent do we exist, what does it mean that we exist? Okay. He's as first or first um Well, the word matsu just means he is, he's, he exists, but yeah, in this, what we're saying is that he's essentially the first cause by existing. catch up a first cause: that's, that's part of the point that we're making that he causes everything else, but we're also saying that even before he causes anything, we said even if nothing else existed, that doesn't change the truthfulness of his existence. So even if he didn't cause anything, he would still be the Matsu illusion.: right. Is it true or true? I'm yeah, saying, depending on the sentence. True, truth, truthfulness. Okay. So now the Rambam continues. So until now we just spoke in terms of existence. Who exists, in what way, and that we come from his existence. Now that we establish this point, now we continue and we say that it's not just that Hashem is the true existence, but it also means that, in a, that he's a God in an active way. He's running the world. In an active way, which we didn't say, yeah, we're saying that now. This matzah that we've been talking about, this existence, this is none other than the God of the world, it's the master of earth. And he turns the galgal, the big wheel, uh, with the infinite kayak. Now, what's the, what's the galgal? What's the wheel? So you look up in the heavens and you see there are a lot of celestial bodies moving around. And ever since uh, the earliest days, everyone's been trying to figure out you know, how to explain what's going on. So today there's a certain system of understanding that's very different than whatever we're gonna learn here. Chazal, it's not so clear. Generally, Hashem seems to be moving everything. And there does mention that the, the sun has a, Galgal has a wheel, but the Rambam uh, adapts, uses the system that he himself says was uh, originally laid out by the Greeks where they explain that everything in the heaven is really, every body in the heavens is really inside a goggle, inside some kind of celestial wheel. And the wheel turns, and when the wheel turns, so then the celestial body moves with it. uh, As we'll see, in in fact, Peregimel is going to be really on this subject. And part of the system has, there's a big goggle, there's the the biggest celestial wheel all the way on the outside of the whole system that when it turns, everything else turns in, in different directions. And the idea here is that Hashem is the one. How does the goggle turn if these things are just turning on their own? So ultimately, there has to be a first, not just a first cause for existence, but a first cause for the movement. Hashem is the one turning the wheel. And so that, that's something where you see Hashem directly involved on a constant basis where the the, the laws of nature wouldn't, uh, laws of nature, uh, on the contrary, the laws of nature, stick that nothing should turn on its own. So God must be constantly turning it. This idea of Gagalim is also brought in this and the Mamarim Besiches of the Rebbe. We're not going to get into how to fit it in with how we, uh, how things are generally explained today. We're just going to go with the Rambam and that's it. So the Ram, uh, Hashem is the one who's mining the galgal with an infinite Kayach, with an infinite energy, the Kayach She'en Le'Hafzeg, with energy that's never interrupted. She'a Gagal because what we know for a fact is that the galgal is always turning. And it can't be turning without someone turning it. And that's Hashem. Hashem is the one who is turning it. Now that I'm adds without a hand, without a body. This is a very important uh, idea for the Amam. And also possibly a big one of the big khadish of the Ramam, the laid it out, especially in Halacha. And we'll see later in the parak that I'm going to go get into it in more detail. Again, note the word yidah. And this is where we get back to the mitzvahs. Knowing all of this, these foundations that we just laid out, that is the mitzvah I say That is the positive commandment. It doesn't the, the Ten Commandments, I am Hashem your God. That's, that's what this mitzvah is talking about, knowing this. Whoever imagines to himself, and it doesn't just mean like entertaining the thought for a second, it means considering in a serious way, willing to accept that there's another God Aside from this, Alvar Balesa, say, he, he, uh, he transgressed the negative commandment, also in the service of Debus Le'il, that there should be no other gods. And someone who does believe that, the Kafar Be'ikr, that Alam is using the words of Chazal, Chazal throughout the, Chazal is this term, Kafar Be'ikr, Kafar Be'ikr, he, uh, he denies the main thing i am explained why we call this Kafr iker because this is the, the main thing. Everything else depends on this. Okay, so that was the first section of the paddock. In the next section of the paddock, we move on to the third and last mitzvah of this paddock, which is the third mitzvah of Yichud Hashem that Hashem is one. And again, we're going to start off speaking in more philosophical terms, then we're going to get back to saying how this is the mitzvah. So, Allah says, This God is one. He's not two, and he's not more than two. Rather, he's one. There's no oneness like this oneness. And any other thing in the world that you would describe as being one. Nothing else has this kind of unity, this kind of oneness. So, for example, you might say that a species is one. Mankind is, in a sense, one, but it's a min. It's a, it's a species that includes many smaller ones inside the larger one. So that's not the kind of one we're talking about here. And we're not talking about the one in the sense of a body. There's one body, but a body is divided into sections and into ends. Not that kind of one, but rather a oneness, a unity, the likes of which there is nowhere else in the world. Ram continues in a lot of Zion. Let's say there were many gods, many godly beings. So now that Ram is also sort of using the, the style of logic, this is going to sort of be a, a logical argument and it's going to have like four steps. So I'll try to uh, spell it out as we go along. It says, this is the, the logical argument. If there were, if there was more than one, that would require, that would mean that, that would mean that there are bodies involved. Why? You're counting a number of things. They all seem to be the same. In what sense are they different? Why are you saying there's uh, more than one thing? If you're saying that there's a number of things, it must mean that different things have happened to them. One thing happened to this, and one thing happened to that. That's what's why we're saying this two and not one. Now, in order for the for things to happen, they need to have bodies, because things can only happen to bodies. If there's no bodies, then nothing can happen. So that's that's uh, step one, and step two. So if there were many, that would mean things happened to them. If things happened to them, that means there are bodies. So if that, so if we went along with that and concluded that. The Creator does have a body. So that would in turn mean that step three, that it means that He is finite. Because says, there's no body that's not finite. So if we continue taking this logic along to its logical course, we conclude at the end, and whatever is finite, so His power, His energy, is also finite, so that's how we got to the end of that logical statement. But that's not what we want to say. So we're going to go now. We're going to go backwards. We're going to go back the other way. Like, hey, shmai, Our God, blessed is His name. Oh, Now we know that His energy is infinite. How do we know that His energy is infinite? Never stops. We said earlier already that Hashem's big thing in the world is that He makes the goggle turn, and the goggle always turns. So if a God's Energy, his power is, is infinite. So that means, in turn, that <laughs> so that means that he doesn't, have, uh, he doesn't have the power coming from a body. He doesn't have a finite body. <laughs> if he doesn't have a body, so, <laughs> so okay, that means that nothing's happening to him in the sense that can turn him into a distinct entity from something else. One thing happened to this thing, What happened, one thing happened to that thing. That can't be happening if there's no body. So that's what brings us back to our conclusion. So we've just proven that he's you know, he can only be one. And now he concludes, gets back to the the mitzvah. Knowing this fact, knowing this thing, mitzvah says that is the mitzvah It says Hashem Hashem Achad, Hashem, Hashem is one. That's what we're that's what we mean when we say that. And the next section, the Nam interrupts a bit. Uh, laying out uh, the ideas of how we look at Hashem um, to discuss a bit the psukim in the Torah. As we said before a few times, psukim are are usually the main uh, source of discussion on these topics. And the Rambam basically just said that along the the way of saying that God is one, part of that, very importantly to the Rambam, was that there's no body. And that might be a little controversial, at least in the time of the Rambam. And that's where the Rambam takes the time to address the possible counter-arguments to the point of the that Hashem doesn't have a body. So that's going to be uh, Ches Tes and Yud. Bunch of Pesukim. We'll see. in Halacha Tes. So first, the Rambam starts up with his proofs from the Pesukim for his case. Halacha Ches. I'm not saying this myself. I didn't uh, just come to this uh, based on philosophy. It says it clearly in the Torah and in the Navim that Hashem doesn't have a body. Shanamar, he brings a pasuk from, uh, from the bottom. Hashem is in the heavens above and on the earth below. So that's proof number one, because Vaguf that means that the rules of bodies are that bodies can't be in two places at once. If Hashem is above and below, that's one proof from the psukkim that there's no body. Proof number two, v'neamar k'loy reisam kol tamuna. It says Hashem says you didn't see any image. you so, didn't see any image. That seems to be telling us there's nothing to see. There's nobody. V'neamar proof number three, veel the ve'eshbe. Who can you compare me to? Who 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 would you say I'm the same as? If he did have a body, then you would be able to make a comparison. So this is proof number three. He's above and below. He has no image, and he's incomparable. So all three serve as proofs that Rambam's position that Hashem does not have a body. Now he gets to the counter arguments. Okay. The Torah says that Hashem has feet, Hashem has a finger, Yad Hashem, a hand, any Hashem, eyes, Ozna Hashem, ears, and anything else along these lines. This is all according to how people think. They only know bodies. And it speaks in the language of people. Now, this is the lashon of Chazal. Chazal is a Adam. However, Chazal don't don't seem to use it in this sense. They just use it where places where the Torah has a double language. Usually, would want to be uh, learning new halacha from that extra word. Something that the Gemara says, "The Torah talks the way people talk," but here, the Ramam uses this for this more uh, fundamental idea that the Torah uses the language of people to speak about Hashem. These are all kinyanim; these are all sort of nicknames. These are not uh, actual uh, descriptions of Hashem. He quotes a pasuk from Devarim where it says Hashem says he's sharpening his sword. Does Hashem have a sword? Does Hashem kill with a sword? Hashem, Ramam seems to think that even those who might be uh, inclined to argue with him, they would all agree that when Hashem kills, he doesn't kill with a sword. So if you're ready, you're ready, willing to admit to the Ramam in this pasuk that the sword isn't literal, that it's metaphorical. So we can extend it, we can expand it to all these other pesukim: the feet, the finger, the hand, the eyes, the ear. So elamashol, akel it's all a mash. He continues, and now he brings. Proof to this, proof to this position, from four places where Hashem is described as having an image, and he uses that as proof that Hashem doesn't have an image. And the nail says Hashem looked like he was wearing white clothing. And Yeshayahu says Hashem has stained clothing. And Moshe saw Hashem like a warrior. like a warrior. Shamish Muhammad and Az Sinai. And this is from Chazal. And, and Sinai, it says we saw that he saw that he had a tallis wrapped around him like a, like a chazan. So from these four descriptions, the Rambam says this is proof that he doesn't have an appearance. Why? that he doesn't have an appearance. What is it? This is all for the sake of prophecy. For the sake of prophecy, the neviim need to be able to see something in order for it to be concrete. We'll get into nevuah elsewhere. So that's what that's about. And otherwise, Hashem wouldn't look like four different things, apparently. The assumption is that if Hashem had appearance, you would look the same each time. If Hashem looks like something else. Right? right? But we're not going to, you know, that's just what the Rambam says. So if Hashem appears in four different ways, so that that constitutes proof of to the Rambam, and Hashem doesn't look like any of these things. It was all just for the sake of the Floor. And the, the, the true nature of this, and I assume that means uh, the very point that we're making that Hashem doesn't have a body. A person's mind can't really grasp this. Can you understand Hashem? So here we see in the Pesukim that, that there are certain things about Hashem you can't understand. So if you're going to say Hashem has a body, then it's more it's easier to understand, but we're going to have other problems. If you say Hashem doesn't have a body, then logically we have no problems, but it's just hard to understand. So here's a proof that not everything was meant to be understood 100 percent Some things are just beyond our understanding. Now I, now the last thing that I has to deal with is the Psukim in shmais where Moshe talks about seeing Hashem. It's a whole Parsha, the whole subject of the Parsha seems to be: Hashem says, Can I see you? Masha says, Can I see you? Hashem says, Yeah, but you won't see my front, you'll see my back doesn't say any particular body parts except front and back, but it's a whole parasha about seeing Hashem. So what's going on over there? What was Maisha asking? So Ram says, it's not even like we explained before. It's not that Hashem saw certain visions, prophetic visions. No, it's something deeper than that. When you know you know the 7 billion people, this is what I think that I'm assuming, you know the 7 billion people, most of them are just an undistinguished mass. You You don't know most of them. You just know they exist. When you get to know someone personally, now he's distinguishable. You know him as a person. So similarly with Hashem, So similarly with Hashem, we know that Hashem is part of the world. We know He's part of existence. But can we say that we know Hashem distinctly as its own thing, you, separate from existence? Not really. That's what Maisha wanted. We wanted to know Hashem separately and distinctly, the way we know a particular person distinctly. Hashem answered him. A person who's alive, wasn't body and soul, doesn't have the ability to really grasp this 100% properly. But (laughs) Hashem did tell him things that no one before him knew and no one after him. Until he was able, but when Hashem was finished with him, he was able to grasp from Hashem's uh, true existence, he was able to grasp something that for him, Maisha could say, ah, oh, now I, I I recognize Hashem distinctly from everything else, the way I know someone distinctly, but not the way you know someone face to face. It's like seeing someone distinctly from behind, and that's enough to say, okay, I saw this guy distinctly. I saw his body, saw his clothing, I, I see how he stands out, I see how he's a unique thing. So same with the equivalent with Maisha, that he was able to see it, uh, to some extent, but not to a full extent. And that's what... Uh, That's what the Pasek was talking about, about the front versus the back. Now, uh, just quickly, the Ravid here argues on the Rambam. The the Ravid doesn't say clearly what his issue with Rambam is on the actual issue here, but he doesn't like the Rambam's taich in the Psukim. He says, first of all, Mesha already saw whatever there was to see by her Sinai. So why why would you even say that Maisha discovered something new here? So, uh, what, what what's going on here? He says, it's just a technical conversation. The Hashem got angry about the ego. Hashem said, I'm not going to uh, accompany you anymore. she said, please, we need you to accompany us. And he said, Haraini, I want to see that you're with us again. And Hashem reappeared. That's the whole exchange. He ends off, It's a big secret, a big mystery. We can't reveal it to anyone. Maybe this person, oh, maybe he didn't know it. And the rival tends to sort of be a little... Uh, critical towards the Ramam, depending on the, the area, a lot or a little. And of course, the Mepharshim to the Ravid, we're not going to get into any of that. And just to m- briefly mention the Rebbe as well, just one tiny thing, there's a Rishima from the Rebbe in the to Shemais, 10 pages, 11 pages, from 244 to 254. It's a whole Rishimah. To understand what level, what was Le- Moishah's level spiritually? It's the into six chapters. Chapter 5 deals with Harini. this Parsha of Harini. And the rabbit asks, similar, similarly to the rabbits, what happened here now that, uh, first of all, we say Meshach has a Madrega, Meshach has a certain level. So he always was on that level. So what happened now in this, uh, in this episode? And especially he asks, then we have Matan Tayra, but Matan Tayra says, whatever, whatever revelation there was, surely was already, took place already at Matan Tayra. The rabbit says, for this reason, the rabbit does not accept the Raman's explanation. And then the Rebbe answers over there that Chassidus. Uh, one answer the Rebbe offers that the mind of the feet says there's bit and there's panim, el ponum. So there's different levels in whatever. I'm not getting into explaining what that is, but just that the. Martin was pun him, him, and later on was pun him, Or he says, uh, more maybe a simpler explanation that even if the, the Moshe grasped certain things of Martin Taida, it could be he lost it to the Eagle. The Eagle was a very, uh, was a very uh, terrible event. So it could be he lost out from that. So he wanted it back. So Hashem came and made a special appearance to give that back to Moshe. Let's just try to finish off. So now that we got, in, now we that we dealt with all those pesukim. Now that i returns to his point. So now that we established that there's no body, so that means a whole bunch of other things. So another things that can happen with a body can happen to Hashem. Not connecting, not separating. We're talking about not space and not uh, not measure. not going up, not going down. not right, not left. not front, not back. Neither sitting, not standing. Any man, and there's no time. You can't speak of Hashem in terms of time. beginning and an end, years. Hashem is beyond all that. He doesn't change. Only da'as We said earlier that you only have shinoym changes if there's a body. If there's no body, there are no changes. So that's what, and so all included in Yichud, and Hashem being one, means there's no body, and nobody means none of these things. And he continues, There's no death and there's no life, the way you would say about a live body. No foolishness and no wisdom, the way we'd speak about a person's wisdom. No sleep and no waking, no, strike, no anger and no laughter, no happiness and no sadness, and no quiet or no speaking the way a person speaks. Of course, that in a certain sense we do describe Hashem as alive and as wise and as speaking, but not in the human sense. And here the Ram quotes one of that that supports this: that no sitting and standing above, no connecting and no separating. This comes from Acher, who says that he went off the darach because he saw sitting. He saw l'mayel, he saw something involved sitting, and he said, "What do you mean? You learned there's no sitting l'mayel." So that's what the Ram uses as a support for this point. It concludes. Uh, back to some psukim again. Since this is the case, so you we find in the Torah in the Vim that does mention that does refer to this kind of thing, you have to understand that it's also all just a mashal metaphor. is angry. All Again, he quotes Chazal, even though Chazal didn't say it directly about this. The Torah speaks in the manner of people. And now he brings two counterproofs. Can they make me angry? Hashem says they can't make me angry. Here so you see that Hashem can't get angry. And Hashem says I didn't change. If Hashem would get angry or be happy, that would mean there are changes. If Hashem doesn't change, there's no anger and there's no happiness. Things like that only apply to the lowly bodies such as ours. Shaykh Nibati Khema and Shabafi say that we're the lowly material bodies. Abu Barakhuis Alabhi Saleh, because Hashem is way beyond all of that. Thank you very much. Yeah,